What is going on, everybody? It is Jason J. Bird Goldstein here for another episode of The Bird's Eye View. Again, uh, I've been lacking with the intro music just because I updated my computer and now I don't have the bird the bird flu saved. So it's just been a little weird when I've been recording it through my phone. i got to figure out a way to get it back on my computer. It won't even let me download it. got to figure out a way to cover the new intro song, so I'm sorry about that. But we have a big episode today. The MLB ending, entering the final weekend. The playoff race isn't too much heating up because pretty much everything is clinched outside the AL wild card. But Yankees are sitting really pretty. I'm going to end the show talking about that. We have NFL Week 4 action, the preview, a recap of last night's game, and college football Week 5, the preview, including the Ohio State game that I'll be attending. First off, though, we have a bit of uh, an NBA news dump to get into. So when I was recording the episode on Monday, like right after I finished recording, uh, what's it, uh, Michael Porter Jr. signs a huge five-year, $205 million extension with the Nuggets. And it looks like the Nuggets are officially committing to a core of Jokic, Murray, and Michael Porter. Now, I like this move for the Nuggets. Michael Porter Jr., you know, started to come on a lot more in the bubble at the end of the 2020 season when he was more healthy after struggling with injuries as rookie in the better part of his second year. Last year had a huge breakout season, contender for the MIP award, one of the better players on that Nuggets team. He's a legitimate number two option. And it's, it's not a bad idea for the Nuggets to spend the money around the core of Jokic, Murray, and Porter in hopes that they're going to be a title contender. I mean, they... They had Jokic, who was the MVP last year. They were towards the top a couple seasons ago. They're a great team, the Nuggets. Uh, it all depends, obviously, how Jamal Murray comes back from his torn ACL, if he's still going to have his same explosiveness. But as we see, when Murray gets hot and unconscious from shooting, you know, it doesn't really matter as much if you have an ACL, for, if you have a healthy ACL for that, when you can shoot the way Murray does at times. And they play great defense, the Nuggets. I mean, you know, the West is wide open this year. Uh, the Lakers should be the favorite, but... I'm excited to see this Nuggets team. I'm excited to see the steps Michael Porter Jr. can make. I think he's a legitimate threat to be an all-star this year. I like this Nuggets team a lot. They're really good. Uh, they're going to be one of the few teams that have, you know, a lot of health and everything going on. And then lately in the NBA, you know, so I'm excited for that. In the NBA, though, there's been some controversy surrounding players, you know, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Andrew Wiggins, Jonathan Isaac, not getting vaccinated. And here's how I feel about it, like, not trying to, you know, sway anyone's opinion. I believe I believe in the vaccination. I believe you should get vaccinated. I encourage people to. I don't really see why you wouldn't. But at the same time, I'm not going to vaccine shame anybody. You know, people are entitled to their choice, even though I might not agree with it. I'm not going to shame anybody for it. At the end of the day, it's still a new vaccine. We don't really know much about it. Uh, I understand that. Now, I don't really understand their reasonings for it. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. And it's, you know, it's their personal decisions. And I don't think we should be shaming them for it. I mean, it is kind of crazy that Kyrie won't be able to play home games, uh, that Wiggins won't be able to play home games now based on the laws of their respective states. I think that's a little ridiculous. But, you know, that doesn't even apply. That's not even the NBA rules. It's the state rules. So that's the big issue. I was actually reading today that if Kyrie Irving were only play road games, in a way it's beneficial because it's less opportunity for him to get hurt. And then maybe an exemption happens for the playoffs. Who knows? But that was really it for the NBA news dump. Let's move on now to the NFL. Thursday night football, it was Jaguars, Bengals. And look, I mean, the Jaguars suck. The Bengals, they're three and one, and great for them. And I'm not a big Zach Taylor guy. 
but the three three and one is three and one. Uh, but I'd say right now they're an average team. So again, it's the typical Thursday night football. Two teams that are, you know expected to be meh. Put them on. So we get Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence. I guess that's exciting. The last two number one overall picks. And look, I mean the Jaguars are up fourteen nothing this game. I'm still not really confident in this team to win. They're just they're not good. Bengals have been better than them. And sure enough, Bengals tied. It's close enough. It's fourteen fourteen. And this defense was fantastic for the Bengals in the second half. It's been a pretty good defense to begin the year. I mean, they had the late game collapse against the Vikings before holding on to win in overtime. The defense was fantastic in their week two win over the Bears. Fantastic in their week three win over the Steelers. And really good once again against the Jaguars, especially Logan Wilson, who's looked like the steal from last year's draft. Uh, I mean, the it's the, like, the Jaguars, the Steelers, and the Bears. Matt Nagy doesn't know what the hell he's doing calling plays, so... Can't take too much away from it. Big Ben looks just like he's washed, he's done. Again, can't take too much away from that. And then you also have the Jaguars, well, who are the Jaguars, and they looked a lot better in the second half. And this wasn't even uh, Jamar Chase. No, like, I actually thought Jamar Chase was going to have a huge game on Thursday Night Football. Had him to be an anytime touchdown score, first touchdown, and over one touchdowns. He didn't do much. It was Tyler Boyd and C.J. Uzoma. I mean, Boyd made a lot of big catches for this team, but C.J. Uzoma, 95 yards, two touchdowns, a big play to get the Bengals in a field goal range, which set up the game-winning field goal, uh, essentially. And it was a great game for Burrow. Over 300 yards, he played fantastic. Uh, just, you know, he, and Trevor, though, he didn't even play bad. For once, he didn't have picks, didn't have the touchdowns. Um, it just shows that that receiving core is not very good. Marvin Jones was shut down. Hurting my fantasy team. DJ Chark got injured. And hey, I mean, we saw James Robinson look more like the James Robinson that we saw from last season with two touchdowns. Other way, this Jaguars team is not good. It's just a wonder of how long until Urban Meyer fakes health issues again and leaves to take the USC job. All right, so yeah, that's just a quick recap of that game now. Now we're going to move on, and we are going to touch upon the games coming up. So week four, NFL preview. We're going to start with the Giants and the Saints. And the Giants, I mean, we suck. We're 0-3. They're, they're, they're probably going to get shut out this game, realistically, against the Saints. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we don't score at all. We're, we're without Sterling Shepard. We're without Darius Slayton. Jason Garrett's still the offensive coordinator, so you know I don't imagine he's going to use Kenny Galladay much because... What's he going to Kenny Galladay's best thing is going deep. What's he going to do? Run slants with Galladay? He won't use Tony. Maybe it'll be C.J. Borg getting the catches. By the way, the Saints, they're coming home. It's the Hurricane game. They haven't been home all season long. The defense is looking really good. The bet, one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Going against Saquon Barkley, who's looked terrible this season. Yeah, the Giants are going to get their asses kicked this game. There's no, uh, there's no doubt about it. With the weapons out, with Jason Garrett still having a job for some reason, with the O-line, with everything, I'd be very surprised if we score. Saints are winning. Saints are easily going to cover the 7.5-point spread. And with the Giants' offense is so bad, you got to go under 41 in this game. Uh, reminder, so this, these that were actually these lines and over-unders were courtesy of uh, BetMGM. Again, these are just what I say, the spreads and the over-unders. This is what I would advise taking, not necessarily what I, would, what I am taking. Uh, sticking though with the NFC East, we have the Washington football team, one and a half point favorites going into Atlanta with an over under of 47 and a half. Uh, Atlanta, they look to win a game against another NFC East opponent. 
following their first win of the year against the Giants. Now, Washington, you know, everyone thought, okay, the offense will be whatever, but the defense is going to be what's carrying this team. Well, right now, they've been the worst pass defense. The secondary has been terrible. The defensive line has not been nearly as elite as it was last season, and that's a big surprise. Now, obviously, they got torched last week. They went up against Josh Allen. They went up against Justin Herbert week one. But they let the Giants offense actually look good against them. So that, that defense is definitely a problem. But here's a get-right game for that defense going into Atlanta. The Atlanta offense is terrible. Uh, they're not really moving the ball. Uh, the Giants defense kind of shut them down. Matt Ryan sort of looks like he's done. The O-line isn't very great. The run defense isn't great. This is a game for Washington to really take advantage and sort of assert that defense that we saw from last season. Now, Taylor Heineke, he's not great, but he's been good. You know, hung around with the Bucs, uh, played well against the Giants. I think he should be able to take advantage of this Atlanta, poor Atlanta defense. So I have the Washington football team winning this game, covering one and a half. And I also have this game going over 47 and a half. I think the Atlanta defense is horrible. I think this could be a big game for Antonio Gibson running the football. Uh, you know, the Atlanta run defense also sucks. Uh, Heineke, I think, could see throwing one or two touchdowns. I think the, Was the Atlanta offense can make enough plays against the, Was the Washington defense for this game to go over. Texans plus 12.5 at the Bills with an over-under of 47. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is likely out, so that takes out the Tyrod Taylor revenge game factor. Uh, the Bills rolled the Dolphins. They rolled the Washington football team their last two games. This is at home. I think they're going to roll the Texans. I think they're going to cover 12. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about this over under 47 because I really don't know if I trust the Texans offense, but I love the Bills offense. I'd stay away from this over under, but I'd advise maybe over 47 just because of Buffalo. Lions plus three at the Bears with an over under of 42. And this is another start for Fields. You know, last week he was going up against Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, that pretty good defensive line of the Browns. This week, he's up against a Lions defense, which is not really good. So he can't be as bad as he was last week. But then again, Matt Nagy is calling the plays. I mean, this Matt Nagy has to be coaching for his job here. Yeah, I mean, he, we saw his offense absolutely let Lee Fields to get murdered last week. He's facing the Detroit Lions. Nagy, get creative. Actually use your offense tailored to Justin Fields. Now, you know, we've seen this before in the NFL. Coaches are potentially coaching for their job. Will the Bears rally around him, or have they quit on him? My opinion, they've quit on him. He doesn't know how to coach this team. He doesn't know how to play call. I think the Bears are going to get upset at home by the Lions. The Lions, uh, I'm probably going to take them on the money line. They're definitely going to cover that three-point spread, in my opinion. I have them going over 42. Look, the Lions, they play hard for Dan Campbell. They actually like Dan Campbell. The Bears, they hate Matt Nagy. The way I see it, this game's only going in one direction. That's a Lions victory, and Matt Nagy finally getting canned like he should have been in the offseason. Panthers plus 4.5 at the Cowboys, and over-under are 51.5. So, so this game's interesting. The Panthers, they played last Thursday night. Dallas played last Monday night. So the Panthers are on actually a long rest, while Dallas, they're on short rest. And I think for that reason, I like the Panthers to definitely cover the four-and-a-half-point spread. I think the long rest versus the short rest is definitely going to be beneficial. But the problem is for them, the offensive, the offense really struggled last week when McCaffrey went down with injury. And Dallas's defense has been good. They've been one of the better defenses in the NFL, shockingly. 
I mean, I know they had the rough game against the Bucs, but they still forced four turnovers. Defenses looked phenomenal the last two weeks. And now they get a Carolina offense, which has overachieved this year, but is without its best weapon. Uh, I like the Dallas defense to sort of limit Carolina, what they can do. But Carolina's defense is legit. They've been one of the NFL's best through three weeks. Now, granted, they face Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, and the Saints without eight offensive assistant coaches. Uh, and they're going up against Dak Prescott. They'll be without J.C. Horn, who, which is a huge loss after he was off to such a fantastic start in his rookie season. Uh, I, I think I like the Panthers enough to, to cover that four-and-a-half-point spread. Maybe Dallas wins this game by a field goal. But in my opinion, the loss of McCaffrey, with how good Dallas' defense is playing, with how good Carolina's defense looks, you have to go under 51-and-a-half here. The Colts plus two at the, at the Dolphins. Revenge game for Jacoby Brissett, playing the Colts uh, after they didn't believe he could be the QB of the future. And now they had brought in Carson Wentz. I think Wentz is going to continue to struggle. He's clearly not healthy. Zach Will, uh, Nick, not, who am I saying? Uh, not Nick Nelson. Blink in on Nelson's first, Quentin Nelson. Jeez, we're not, Nick Nelson, the former the former Yankee, he, he was terrible. Then Zach Wilson, Quentin Nelson, he went down with injury. He's probably out. And, yeah, this game just has disaster written all over it. I have the Dolphins covering their two-point spread, but I just don't think this game's going to be a high score and go under 42. The Browns and the Vikings. Kevin Stefanski returning to Minnesota. The Kevin Stefanski revenge game. And look, it was a tough loss for the Browns week one, but they still looked really good. And they've looked really good, especially defensively, the last two weeks. And the offense, you know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt are really getting going, running the football. Now they're going back into a Vikings team, which, you know, they're but one and two. They should be two and one, possibly even three and oh. But that defense is really bad. We saw Joe Mixon absolutely kill them in week one. Much like last week, the Browns are going to dominate this game running the football. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt are going to run all over this Vikings defense. You know, I think Stefanski's going to want to open things up for Baker Mayfield. He's going to have a ton of fun on that play action. I think Odell is going to burn this week secondary, get a couple big plays in this game. So, yeah, I have the Browns winning this game. I have them covering as a one-and-a-half-point favorites. I think Miles Garrett, again, could have fun on defense against that poorest Vikings offensive line. And, look, you got to go over 51, and a half, 51 this game because the Vikings defense sucks and the Vikings offense has been good enough to score points. I mean, Kirk, Kirk's been really good. Don't get me wrong. Eight touchdowns, zero picks. He's been one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL this year so far, Kirk Cousins. And I think he'll put up enough points to keep up with Minnes, to keep up with the Browns. And I think I just think the defense is going to be bad enough. I think this could be a game where both teams score in the 30s. But I think the biggest difference maker is going to be that I trust the Browns' defense to get a stop more than I trust the Vikings' defense. Titans minus seven points at the Jets with an over-under of 44.5. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are not expected to play this game. And the Titans are still seven-point favorites. They're without their top two wide receivers, and that, ex- and that just is telling about how bad the Jets are. And look, the Jets' defense has been horrible, especially in the running game. All the Titans have to do, get up 3 nothing early, feed Derrick Henry the ball. He's already rolling. I think he's going to have a field day having fun toying with this awful Jets' defense. That's truly what I expect out of Derrick Henry this game. Uh, they don't even need Brad or Julio. You know, Zach Wilson, the offensive line is going to continue to struggle with Bud Dupree, with uh, Harold Landry. The Jets will get shut out for the second straight week. You take the Titans minus seven. I don't care. They could have they could have like me and my friends uh, on that team on the offense. As long as Derrick Henry's there, 
then they're fine. And the defense is going to shut out the Jets probably. Uh, and again, with that Jets offense, you can't trust them, so you have to go under 44.5. The Chiefs, minus 7 at the Eagles with an over-under of 54.5. Like the third time we're getting an Andy Reid revenge game against the Eagles. And, man, they, they looked so good in Week 1, Philly. And then the last two games, they looked like shit. And, again, looked great against the Atlanta defense. You know who didn't? The Giants, because Jason Garrett's the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL. Uh, honestly, just like the Eagles defense is not very good. I think Kansas City's going to expose them. They're pissed off about what happened the last two games. They're going to have, you know, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Nicole Hardman, maybe Clyde Edwards-Elair, all just toying with that crappy Eagles defense. Now, I think the Eagles offense can hang around. I think, the, you know, Kansas City, they struggle in run defense. So run the damn ball, Nick Sirianni. You didn't do that last week. Jalen Hurts' style of running, too, is built to honestly hang around and, you know, hurt Kansas City as we saw Herbert last week and we saw Lamar Jackson two weeks ago. So I, I think the Eagles could potentially hang around offensively in this game. I want to take them to cover plus seven, but that's very, very, you know, they're bad and the Chiefs are really good. Think over 54 and a half is the way to go. Either way, Chiefs are winning this game. Cardinals, Rams, two of the NFL's remaining undefeated teams. And the Rams right now are soaring. They look like the best team in the NFL after dismantling the Bucks last week. The Cardinals, they escaped the loss from the Vikings. Could be 2-1. I mean, the Kingsbury offense, it's been rolling. It's been new weapons every week. But this is going up against that Rams really good defense. Look, they have Jalen Ramsey, and he can shut out D-Hop. Or if D-Hop doesn't play, he can shut out someone else. Doesn't matter. A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, uh, now even Max Williams, uh, Rondale Moore. All these guys for the Cardinals could potentially beat you. It's not just D-Hop. And... But, but the thing is, the thing, and also the Rams, they have Aaron Donald, though. And that Cardinals O-line is not very good. Aaron Donald, I can see bull rushing them, getting after Kyler. Now, the good thing about Kyler is he's athletic as hell. One of the most, if not the most, athletic quarterback in the NFL. You know, scrambling, he can easily scramble, make plays with his legs, get out of the pocket, make those throws on the run while escaping Aaron Donald. I just think that Rams defense is a little too good. The Cardinals offense has not seen a defense as good as the Rams this season yet. I think it'll at least limit the Kingsbury offense this game. So I have the I do have the I do have the Rams winning this game. I think five and a half points is way too much delay. So I have the Cardinals covering plus five. Look, the Rams have a great defense. Cardinals have been talking about their defense all year. Fifty-five seems way too high between these two teams, so I'd go under fifty-five. Seahawks at the 49ers. And look, these defenses are not very good. This isn't the days where it was... This isn't the days where it was Jim Harbaugh versus Pete Carroll and, these, and it was like a 13-10 Niners-Seahawks game. No. These are now Pete Carroll versus Kyle Shanahan. And we're getting games where both teams are in the high 20s or even the 30s. Uh, with, with Seattle, I mean, they have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. That LOB is long gone. Outside of Bobby Wagner, really no one on the defense. And, and Jamal Adams is that good. And the Niners defense, it's not Seattle bad, but it hasn't been particularly great, especially in the secondary as we saw Rodgers tear them apart last week. You know, this is going to be a fun game. You know, you're going to have Russell with Lockett, with DK, just having fun with against that Niners defense. Jimmy G with Greg Kittle, with uh, Debo Samuel, you know, potentially in the running game, maybe some Trey Lance action there. It's going to be another fun game, high-scoring affair. As always, it's going to be close. I think it'll probably be like a Niners three-point win. So the Seahawks are three-point underdogs. If you want to bet it, maybe buy a half point either way. I have this game definitely going over 51.5. I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game between these two teams. And yeah, Seattle Seahawks, I think they're going to lose, though. 
I have the Niners, like I said, winning by a field goal. Seattle's going to get off to a 1-3 start. Again, it could be their inability to close out games in the second half, as we've seen a lot this season thus far. Uh, Ravens at Broncos. The Broncos are actually favorites in this game. Yeah, for them, it's the first real test of the year. Uh, they, I mean, they played the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Jets. Probably the three worst teams in the NFL thus far. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to be a little unprepared to face the Ravens. I think the Ravens are soaring. They had the big win over the Chiefs, the 66-yard field goal. Now, it's possible they have a bit of a hangover letdown, but I don't think so. So I think the Ravens cover one point. They win the game, and this game goes under 44 and a half. Steelers at Steelers getting six and a half points at the Packers with an over-under of 45 and a half. And the Steelers right now, they're reeling. The good news is both TJ Watt and Deontay Johnson are expected to play after logging full practices during the course of the week. Uh, but honestly, even then, it doesn't matter because the Steelers' offensive line is a major, major issue. Green Bay, the last few years, is one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. And, you know, just even though the Packers are one of the worst run defenses in the NFL... Like that, Steelers offensive line might not be able to create enough holes for Najee Harris. At least the Steelers are getting healthy. Big Ben's getting his favorite target back. They're getting their best defender back. But the way I look at it, like, they're not going to win this game. Although it would be very Steelers. You know, they win, They go to Buffalo, win week one, lose at home against Vegas and Cincinnati, and then go into Green Bay and win. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think six and a half points is a lot of points to lay. I think that they'll at least be able to hang around, maybe lose by like six. I just think under 45 and a half, I think they're going to really limit Aaron Rodgers. Now we're moving on. We're going to talk Sunday night football. And I will be honest, like, I can't remember the last time I've been this excited for a regular season game. I mean, the Giants have been terrible, so there's not really a reason to get too excited about their games. Tom Brady's return to New England. Bucks open a seven-point favorite with an over-under of 49. And I'm super Super excited to see this game. A huge revenge game. You know, nobody ever thought Brady would leave New England, but he did. Here he is now playing for Tampa Bay after winning a seventh Super Bowl, going against his former coach. And you know, Belichick, he, you know, he's tired of hearing, oh, it was Brady, it was Brady. He wants to prove him that he was one of the reasons for that dynasty. And he wants to, you know, have a great defensive game plan for Brady. But Brady, he's angry. They kind of disrespected him at the end of his New England tenure. He wants to come in. He wants to get his revenge. I mean, in the NFL, nothing is better than a good, good revenge game. <clears throat> now, for Belichick, the Bucks' run defense is really good. Their hard running style is not going to be not going to help them win this game. They're going to have to throw the ball, and the Bucks' defense hasn't been really good in that regard. The pass defense has been really bad, actually, especially with the injuries facing. So this might be the game where Belichick he recognizes that. And he opens the playbook up for Mac Jones. But do they have the good enough receivers to actually contend with this? They can actually hang around and stick with the Bucs. Now, in my opinion, I think they will. This game just has the feel. Brady, revenge game, struggles. I think he's going to come you know, come down to it. Game-winning drive, whether that be their trailing or whether that be a game-winning field goal. I have the Bucs winning this game, but it's going to come down to a game-winning drive. <coughs> so take the Patriots to cover plus seven. And I like the Sunday Night Football trend of overs hitting, so go over 49. And the last game, Raiders plus three at the Chargers with an over-under of 52.5. You know, both these teams are upstart. Chargers coming off a huge win against the Chiefs. Uh, they could let down here, though, although it's not much of a letdown. You're going up against a 3-0 and team. 
it's going to be a good matchup. You know, Herbert, he's been fantastic. I think, if anything, instead of letting down after the Chiefs, their confidence keeps rolling. I got the Chargers winning this game, and <clears throat> I got them just covering that three-point spread, handing Vegas their first loss of the year with an over-under of <coughs> 52.5. Sorry, I uh, swallowed weird there. Anyways, college football. There's some good games this week. So we're going to move on. Ohio State Rutgers. I'm going to be there. I'm really excited for that game. And I never thought I'd say this, but Rutgers, it's a big game for Ohio State. These aren't the Rutgers teams of years past where we were going to stomp them like 62-3. to No, this is a good team. I mean, Ohio State. We saw them struggle against Minnesota, who just lost to Bowling Green. Saw them struggle against Tulsa. Saw them lose to Oregon. And really, they should have lost by more than just seven in that game. Uh, but look, they've looked, they looked a lot better last week, but now it's against Akron. You know, in the in the past, looking at Rutgers wouldn't be a test. It's like, okay, we struggled, now we can actually beat Rutgers. But no, this game's a huge test. I mean, Rutgers, they're 3-1. and one. They just went into Ann Arbor and hung around, coming close to upsetting that team up north. I mean, this game, Rutgers, Ohio State's only a 15.5-point favorite in this game. That's very telling. They're definitely going to test us. Now, C.J. Stroud is expected to play. Uh, as long as his shoulder's healthy, Stroud will play. The report is he's looked really good in practice this week, and that's something that's obviously a positive sight to hear because we're needing him to get rolling. He can't be missing these throws because Rutgers is not going to, you know, we, you can't be leaving points on the board against Rutgers. They've looked exceptional running the football this season, and that's one thing where Ohio State has really struggled, especially in the linebacking core. And then it all relies on Stroud's health. I think if he's healthy, Olave has a big game. Garrett Wilson can have a big game too. Uh, it's going to be competitive. I do think in the end, Ohio State will pull away. But this is going to be one of those games where the backups are in in the third quarter. Now, the starters will probably be playing the entire game here. <coughs> uh, sticking in the Big Ten, we have Wisconsin-Michigan. Wisconsin's just 1-2. and two, And Mertz looked absolutely atrocious last week you know and the Wolverines they're 4-0 they've looked really good however they go to Camp Randall a place they haven't won since 2005 and it's just been a nightmare there they've lost their last five games there they're 0-2 there under Harbaugh I believe Harbaugh just has one win against Wisconsin and this place has been a house of horrors I think Wisco's pissed after last week's loss and they want to bounce back I think the house of horrors continues and oh the Wolverines are back the Wolverines are back talks ends after Saturday's game. We get a Friday night game. Maryland, who's underratedly 4-0. Taluya Tagabayola, he's been fantastic. 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, one pick. You know, there's... I was listening to a Cover 3 college football podcast. You can literally talk about them like it's... Uh, like he could be in the Heisman race low-key. He's been that, that good this year. Uh, that's at home. It's a big Friday night game. I think they're going to upset Iowa here. Yeah, Maryland's defense has been underrated to start the season thus far. I think the defense could limit this Iowa offense, which has its limits. I think Taga Viola continues to play great, and Maryland pulls off a huge upset here, upsetting the Hawkeyes tonight. Uh, moving on to the SEC, we have our prop, we have our game days going. The biggest, probably the biggest ranked matchup of the week: the Georgia Bulldogs hosting Arkansas. Uh, look, Arkansas they're riding that big win over A and M, but Georgia's a different league than A and M. Georgia wins that game. The two Heisman favorites, Alabama versus Ole Miss, Matt Coral versus Bryce Young. 
Uh, they look like they're one and two in the Heisman race right now. You know, this feels, oh, when Bo Wallace, when Sag Kelly upset Bama, could that happen? The Lane Kiffin offense. I'm saying, no, I got Alabama winning this game. LSU will beat Auburn. Clemson, Boston College. I mean, Clemson has struggled mightily this season. They're 2-2 two and two and could easily be 1-3, and three, just holding on to their uh, ranking at 25 right now. Uh, they, they, they lost a lot of guys to injury last week. Uh, Shipley and uh, I'm blanking out on the lineman's name, but they, they're suffering their injuries. BC, they're 4-0. They're playing confident. Uh, I mean, BC right now is 16-point underdogs. I already took them to cover. And, hell, I actually have Boston College pulling off the upset, beating Clemson, setting them down to 2-3. and three. That's right. Boston College is pulling off this upset here, stunning the Clemson Tigers. Uh, no, and that's the, the last game, Notre Dame-Cincinnati. This is a huge game. Uh, so, you know, whoever wins this game has a good path, to, decent pat chance of going undefeated and getting into the playoff. You know, with having that win over the other, Cincinnati would be an undefeated conference winner with wins over Notre Dame, and with wins over Notre Dame and uh, blinking out on who they are, wins over Notre Dame and Indiana, which Indiana is not great, but it's still a Big Ten team. Uh, I think Notre Cincinnati wins this game, and this could be the reason why they can convince the committee that they deserve to be in, even over a one-loss conference winner. That's it for college football. Moving on now to the MLB. And let's go, Yankees, baby. Biggest series of the season, or two biggest series of the season. We go 5-1, and two-game lead in the wild card race now. Thank you, Baltimore Orioles, for beating the for beating the Red Sox last night and taking two or three from them. That's huge for us. Magic number down the two. I'll beat the stadium tonight. We win, and Washington beats the Red Sox, or the Angels beat the Mariners. Then we're officially in the playoffs, and we're officially hosting that first wild card game. What a stretch. What a game last night. What a great game won. Let's go, Yankees. Let's keep it rolling. This AL wildcard race has been a mess. I mean, the Mariners are somehow still in it. The Red Sox have been struggling. The Blue Jays, even though they just lost two out of three, they're still a game back. And now they have the Orioles. Like, it's awesome. But let's go, Yankees. Let's let's beat the race tonight. I'm going to be there. I hope that the Red Sox lose their game against the Nationals and we clinch and we win after. And I'm there for when we clinch the playoff spot. But holy shit, what a series. And I mean, this is a wildcard race. Just a goddamn mess. Two, three teams separated by one game for that final spot. I mean, we only have a two-game lead. And the Red Sox still have... I mean, we just need to win one game. And we're probably... like We need to win two games for sure to at least be in. But the magic number is two. We win tonight. Either Seattle Red Sox lose, we're in, and we're home. Toronto has no chance of hosting that wildcard game with us unless they sweep and we get swept. I don't believe we'll get swept, but hey... You never know. But this is just an awesome series. I mean, game one, you know, we go down one nothing. Judge hits a home run to tie it. Then we go down 2-1 two, two, two later, on. later on. Then the offense continues to play well. We get a single that end up from Rizzo that ties it. Judge gives us a sack fly, and it's a 3-2 game. And, you know, it's 3-2. You still want more separation. Stanton stays hot. Belts a three-run shot. We're up 6-2. Gio Urshela pads on another home run, and it's 7-2. He set the tone early in the series, and it's like, okay, game two, we have Cole on the mound. Here's our chance. Bury Toronto now. Uh, you know, Tyone, though, he left with an ankle injury. His ankle, <clears throat> I guess, still flaring up. But, my God, the bullpen was fantastic. I mean, Mike King could a run, but in two and two-thirds. Holmes, Green, Severino, Wandy Peralta, none of them allowed a hit. It was awesome. Huge win. Then game two, that kind of sucked because Garrett Cole, 
did not have it. He's clearly being bothered by that hamstring injury right now. But Cole had one of his worst starts of the year. Not as bad as the Indians start, but not a good start regardless. Uh, <coughs> you know, the Yankees, they get down 4 nothing, score two runs, another run off a... I mean, this, this run was awful because Joey Gallo drops a pop-up for the second time in three games. It allows them to score a run, and it's 5-2. to two, Or 5... Yeah, 5-2. The Yankees end up tying it at 5, which could have been the lead had they not blown it. And then Clay Holmes comes in. Gives up a home run to Boba Shett. Only Clay Holmes' second extra base hit of the season. And Boba Shett killed us all game. Two home runs, a double. Like, God, I hated seeing Boba Shett. And it sets up a huge game three. But, you know, Cole, he's not going on the I.L. He's going to pitch the wild card game. And I just hope his hamstring's okay for that. And game three, this was Robbie Ray versus Clay Corey Kluber. I'm nervous. We kind of have to win this game. Don't want to go up just one game. Uh, against one game up on them, one game up on Boston, one game up on Seattle when they have the Angels, the Orioles, and the Nationals, and we have the Rays. Uh, and, you know, great start. Judge takes Robbie Ray, 455 feet. Kluber's struggling, uh, but he's getting out of jams. He, he gave up one run into the fifth, so that wasn't too bad. But then here we go. Man on. Gio Urshela almost makes a tough play at short, but drops the ball. Hard play to make. We almost turn a double play. Uh, but, you know, we turn it, review, he's safe. And then from there, Vlad Jr. is up. In my opinion, take Kluber out. Yeah, Vlad's gotten out twice. But I don't, I'm, a, I'm big in the not letting a pitcher face the lineup for the third time in the order, especially with the way Kluber struggled with that this year, especially a guy like Vlad. Vlad nearly takes him all the way deep, just off the wall for a double. But still, they take the lead 2-1. to one. Kluber comes out. And, here, and then it's 2-1 to one entering the sixth. Robbie Ray hasn't allowed a hit since Aaron, the Aaron Judge home run. Tw- uh, I believe he set down 13 guys in a row with the exception of a Gary Sanchez walk. But here we go. We come back into the sixth. Anthony Rizzo. Rizzo Tony ties it. 2-2. Two to two. Aaron Judge. Bat, they go back to back. He takes He hits a home run. It's 3-2. to two. Stanton walks. Glaber Day happens. He hits a two-run shot. And the Yankees tack on four runs in the sixth inning, a 5-2 lead, huge for the Yankees. Later on, Gardner tacks on a solo shot. We win 6-2, take two out of three from the Blue Jays, on top of the Red Sox losing to the Orioles. We build a two-game lead for that first spot, and massive. Again, thank you, Baltimore, so much. Really, thank you guys. I love you guys for that. You know, for, all, for much as I can play about our Orioles struggles, at least, at least they beat the Red Sox. Uh, and then, you know, the pitching, the bullpen, Mike King was fantastic in relief for Corey Kluber. And Luis Severino came up in a big spot. It's still a three-run game going up against the top of the order, Springer, Semi, and Vladdy. And Severino, one, two, three. I'm out of the bullpen. He's been great this year. I can't believe how good Severino looks. I love Luis Severino. I'm glad he's back. They're coming, he's coming in high-leverage situations against top of the lineups. Severino's going to play a big role in this postseason roster uh, once we're in. He's going to have a big spot. Because that wildcard race is just crazy, though. Everything else is said. We know the Rays are winning the AL East. Astros, and, I mean, Rays, Astros, and White Sox have all clinched. Looks like Astros are probably going to be hosting that series. National League, everything is clinched outside the NL West. Dodgers, magic number to clinch the NL West, and the one seed is two. They have the struggling Padres. I imagine they're in. Uh, and then there's the Dodgers are in wildcard division, Cardinals wildcard, Braves division, Brewers division. And, yeah, so postseason picture looks pretty much set. Uh, We're pretty much at the end of the season, and we're at the end of the episode. So coming up, I'm going to have 
my preview of the MLB postseason. I'm going to have a recap of all the college football games this past week, of the big ones, and all the NFL games this past week. Thank you, everybody, and have a great rest of your day.